and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing late on Sunday evening. Joining us from New York City, where he attended the Knicks game against the Charlotte Hornets earlier today, is Tim Bontemps. Hello, everybody. Did you enjoy that Knicks-Hornets affair today? It was like the 11th most interesting game in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I came I came home and watched a whole bunch more uh, more interesting games than that. Uh Lamelo Ball had 32, 7, and 6 and was minus 32. That that sums up Ouch. how the game went today. Not quite, uh, not slightly better, slightly uh, more negative than James Harden, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, joining us from Dallas, Texas. Now, this is a packed podcast, and so we won't get to um, hit on it, but you should, for some fun, read Band McMahon's story that he published uh, a couple of days ago on the origination of the too small gesture in the NBA and the proliferation, which I don't think he used the word proliferation on the story. I'm sure he didn't. It was a good story though. <laughs> but uh, check out that story. Uh, sorry, Ben McMahon. Uh, no I won't problem. be able to hit on it. No problem. Howdy partners. We definitely will hit on the originator of, uh, of two small one. Russell Westbrook will be part of that <laughs> conversation. To come. But first, have you seen what Tyrese Maxey did on Sunday in Philly? when the 76ers won their eighth consecutive game over the Pacers. Mm. Pacers played well in this game, by the way, and continue to be one of the stories of the early season as they put up great offensive numbers, but not as good of offensive numbers as Tyrese Maxey, who had the finest offensive game of his young career, 20 of 32 shooting. You just undersold it. He had the finest offensive performance by Philadelphia 76ers guard since Allen Iverson. Well, actually, there's a hold on. Let me give you a stats here. And then there's a good trivia question. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's a good one. I think we both saw, uh, but maybe not. All right. He's 20 of 32, seven of 11 from threes, seven rebounds, five assists, 50 points, mm. five zero plus 17, by the way, since we're looking at plus minus. But by the way, Embiid uh, with a with a nice little tidy um, 37 and 13 with seven assists in this one. And he took a back seat to Tyrese Maxey, who was absolutely brilliant finishing pretty good extending. I shouldn't say finishing extending a tremendous start to the season. Um, there have been four previous players in the history of the 76ers franchise to have 50 points, five rebounds and five assists in a game. Three of them are in the hall of fame. The fourth one you will not get. I will, unless you already heard it, I will give you his initials. And you won't get it. Okay, so we well, are. I, you about. cut out for a second. What What was the question? You cut out. Fifty cut points, five rebound, at least fifty points, five rebounds, and five assists is the fifth 76 would ever do it. The pre of the previous four, three of them are in their Hall of Fame, and one you will never get. I'm okay. not even sure this guy would get it. Well, I, I guarantee you this guy would get it. If if he's some forgettable name who had a 55 and five, trust <laughs> well, I, I liked him when I was a kid. I liked him. I played with him on NBA Live like 97. Okay. Will Chamberlain, Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson? Will Chamberlain, Allen Iverson, and Hal Greer. Barkley oh, Hal Greer. had the five assists. Hal Greer, pretty good player. Um. This is the last one. I mean, if you've you heard about the there, guy, so he was like a nine eighties or nineties, nineties, two thousands. I'll give you his initials. DB. Dana Barros. Yeah, obviously. I was going mean, to say Dana Barros. I was going to say Dana Barros, but you didn't give me the chance to. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give, I was going to say. You yeah, can't, right. you can't yeah, right. use the initials and rub Wait, it no, out. I wasn't. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to say DB. I wasn't going to say Dana Barros. I'm giving you a hard time. Time out. Time out. DB Bontemps just said he was going to say that name. I you wasn't going to. I was giving you a hard time. No, but once you went DB, we remember the fifty-point yes. game. Dana Dana Barros Dana Barros is easy to remember initials wise. He was a good player. Dodo Bird. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Tyrese Maxey. Um, by the way, how about this one? Since 1973-74, when block shots were first tracked, Tyrese Maxey joins two players age 23 or younger with a stat line of at least 50 points, five rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. Two players. One of them is active. One of them is a Hall of Famer and unfortunately no longer with us. Uh, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is one. 
LeBron James, you're close. I guess LeBron didn't have three blocks. Durant? It's a good guess. Um, uh, AD. Durant or oh, AD. Okay. okay. Yeah. And Dana Barrows. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Dana Barrows didn't have three blocks in his whole career. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's hard to get the three blocks one is the is the hard one. Um all right. Anyway, just an absolutely brilliant performance, um, Bontemps. Tyrese Halliburton had 25 and 17 in this game, 17 assists. He is yep. leading the league in assists. He's having a fantastic uh, start to the season. The Pacers are having a fantastic start to the season. They played really well. By the way, these teams play again on Tuesday in an in-season tournament game in, in uh, Indy. And I would advise you, if you have the ability to watch that game, mm-hmm. watch it. Because I'll bet no, that the one's game, the be... game is also in Philly on Tuesday. Oh, it is in Philly? Yes. I may be at the game on Tuesday. That's why. All right. Well, anyway. The Pacers aren't um, too far off from being 1-30. and 30. One yes, offense. I... And by the way, best offense of all time, which would be the second time in, uh, what, five or six years that a Rick Carlisle offense was number one in the history of the, the game. Uh they are twenty seventh defensively, and so, yeah, I was going to say part of part of Maxi, but no, they, yeah. it is not exactly shocking that Tyrese would go off in this game. A because Tyrese has been awesome, and B this is what the Pacers do. Every game is yeah. one forty to one thirty because they're super fun to watch. They got all these yeah. guys who bomb threes, and they very much are comfortable letting the other team score as much as humanly possible. They are flammable on both ends of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Maxi is playing terrifically. Um, a bit bittersweet because crazy event on Saturday. Kelly Oubre, who was also having a tremendous start to this season, um, got hit by a car in Philly, broke ribs, and has other injuries. And I think, Bontemps, I think you watched the post-game interview. I didn't see it, but I mean, Maxi is a minute off of scoring his 50th point and is dedicating the game to Kelly Oubre, a very, you know, stunning setback. I mean, obviously anybody gets hit by a car, it's very serious. Um, uh, so it's fortunate that he wasn't more injured, but you know, 76ers get this very unfortunate setback to a guy who's been really helping them come out the next night and thrash another team. Um, hopefully Oubre will be back. Um, you know, in due course, I don't, they have no idea when, but you know, he'll be back this season, but uh, they just changed their starting lineup. Um, put Nick Batum in there and Batum plays great. And they promote Robert Covington. He didn't play as well in this game, but they have so much depth that, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of whether it's a freak injury, like a sprained ankle or it's this tragedy, like, uh, like Ubre, they have some, some resilience because um, their roster is deep now. So, um, definitely a flexing of the muscles of the Sixers again with with Maxi uh, Bontemps. Well, to to put a, a bow on the Ubre thing, first off, the Sixers said today he had a fractured rib and he's going to get reevaluated in a week. Which I think, considering what the circumstances certainly could have been in a situation like that, um, it certainly seems like you know there it could have been a lot worse. I think it's safe to say, and hopefully he's certainly back soon because, as you said. He's been playing the best basketball of his career by a pretty significant amount. Has really been helping them a ton at both ends. But yeah, like for as good as Tyrese has been, and he's been awesome, I think you sort of get a window into the kind of person he is and why everybody there loves him so much when the second he walks off to do the interview after scoring 50 points for the first time in his career, the first thing he says is, uh, I love Kelly Oubre. I've barely gotten a chance to know him yet, but I love him already. He's my guy. Um, thinking of him, then he then he immediately got a bucket of water dumped on his head by Patrick Beverly and got cut off. But um, but then he came back, talked about Ubre again, and then left. Like didn't even talk about the game that he just had. And the game he just had was the latest reinforcement of the fact that through total fluke circumstances, because it's certainly not what the Sixers planned for, they are infinitely better off Ooh. than if James Harden had opted out and they had re-signed him in the summer yeah. and having put the ball in Tyrese Maxey's hands. We've talked about it really since the beginning of the preseason. If he does not get hurt 
There's zero question he's going to be an all-star at this point. He hit, He's unquestionably one of the 12 best players in the East. He's one of the best guards in the East. He's going to be an all-star. And the only question now is, if he continues this for the rest of the season, is there any chance, despite how heavy the competition is at these guard spots, can he crack no. the top six spots for all NBA? And as Bobby Marks had to do some research on before the season, become the first guy to be eligible for the rules rule and get the 30% max without having signed an extension in the first place. Cause wow. all the other guys who would sign that had never been in the position he'd been in before. Uh, Luca was the only one who was eligible before signing the extension. But, right. But he signed. Yeah. But the rest of the guys signed it and then had to, you know, make all NBA that year to get their money. That's um, right. You know, and not only are they so much better off than, um, if if Harden would have been signed long term, but so much better off than if Harden would have gone to Houston as was widely anticipated for a while, uh, and they wouldn't have gotten anything for him because now they've got some rotation players, they do have those picks. But the the greater point, the point to focus on right now, when Maxi just dropped fifty, is. They have found a bona fide co-star to to go with Joel Embiid, and it's funny after all the process, after Ben Simmons' number one overall pick, uh, Markel Fultz, uh, the trade for Harden, the co-star to go with Embiid is this dude who's a twenty-first overall pick and just kind of you know just got better and better and better and is breaking out just as it seemed like things were about to get really, really dicey in Philadelphia. And it's not hard to figure out just how overjoyed Embiid is about this development. I mean, you see his, his tweet where he's you know doing some handshake with... Uh, that was, yeah, he tweeted a picture, tweeted a picture from him giving Max, him and Max having a handshake at the end of the game, said the franchise... In all yeah. caps. And after the game, as he was talking about Maxi and giving credit to his trainer, Drew Hanlon, who he got Maxi to work with this summer, uh, he ended his little spiel about Maxi by saying, that's why I said he's the franchise with a very big grin on his face. But this is also why this is such an important thing for the Sixers, because like I've been saying for a while now, mm -hmm. this guy's the perfect co-star for Joel, not only because of the way they fit on the court, but because of how they fit off the court. And Joel really likes him. The two of them get along great. He is sort of big in the areas off the court where Joel is not. They really mm -hmm. synchronize really well that way. And it's just remarkable the situation that Philly is now in. Like we spent months and like, oh, what are the Sixers going to do? What's going to happen to Embiid? There were all these, you know, people were yeah. drafting lists of where's Embiid going to go. And now he's sitting here with this vibrant young star guard who you know, by the way, I was thinking about this watching the game today. Rest of the season, this season alone, who would you rather have, Tyrese Maxey or Damian Lillard? Maxey. He's he's young. He's he's more durable, and he, he's a hell of a defender. I, mean, I don't know if I well, I don't know if I'd quite uh, go with the last part, but he's he. I would rather have Maxey the rest of the year. And the fact that that's even a debate he's a, he's sums a up sums up well the the point that you can even think about the question just shows the situation the Sixers are in compared to where we thought they were going to be six or eight weeks ago when they were staring at this abyss and didn't know where things were going to go. Right. I think the the thing for me is that there was a lot of expectation that with extra opportunity that mm -hmm. Maxi would blossom. But he has blown away even the optimistic viewpoint that of what his role was going to be. And I suspect that the Sixers, who were big believers in him, basically made it known that they wouldn't trade him for Dame. Um, even they are probably pretty surprised at how fantastic this has gone. This first everybody, everybody, everybody's surprised. The guy has the guy has like sixty-five or seventy assists and ten turnovers. He's shooting forty-something percent from three for the third straight year. He's he's like he never turns the ball over. He's diamond guys up. He's hitting step back threes left and right. He's dropping 50 points in games. Like, this is way beyond yeah. even the most was, rosy. He's in 29 projections. and 7 at 50, 40, 90 with a ridiculous. Uh, yes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. 
And he literally has a, 10 turnovers in 10 games or nine there was games. Two, there was two remarkable plays in this game. One where he gets a chase down block on Buddy Heald. Not, not so much a chase down, but he blocks Buddy Heald from behind. Like comes in like he's 6'9". Ejects yeah. Buddy Heald from behind. And then another play when the game was still very much in doubt where he hits this hellacious step back three and Bruce like right in front of Bruce Brown and Bruce Brown like rolls his eyes. Like you got to be kidding me. You know, Um, the other favorite play of this game, and this was, you know, just to get him 50, but what happened? You mentioned Embiid had seven assists. The seventh assist for Embiid was he got the ball. He's up near half court. He basically looks at Maxie, like come get this ball and go get 50. (laughs) Yeah. Hands it to him. Maxie comes and just knocks down this ridiculous three and Embiid's out there near half court with his hands on his head. Like, oh my yeah. God, can you believe this bleep? Yeah. It's he just amazing. The the, the, even with obviously the game, the, it's, no, it's sorry, hard to, he said, uh, Embiid said after the game, he goes, you know, I've scored some 50 point games in my career, but it's hard to do it when you, because usually I get 20 free throws <laughs> to do it. He's like, he didn't need 20 free throws. Um, obviously there's, there was yesterday was a pretty rough day for the Sixers, um, Saturday, uh, with what happened with Kelly Oubre, but that aside, it, it has been remarkable having been around this team a lot since the start of training camp, just what the vibes are around the group and how happy and together this team is across the board, especially with everything that they've had to go through beginning with the Harden stuff. Now to stuff with Kelly and, Maxi is at the center of that for basically every part of it. His ascension into being a full-blown star and beyond is probably the biggest development in the whole league through the first three weeks of the season. When you think about the potential ramifications it's got down the road, like it's it's just a, a massive, massive thing to see happen in real time. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right, on the flip side, Ooh. the Clippers lost to the Grizzlies. Grizzlies' first win of the month, I think. I don't know. Um, second of the year. I was going to say they lost to the Grizzlies, and that ain't easy to do these days, fellas. At home, the Grizzlies still spitting fire from their loss the other day to the Blazers, and or the Jazz, I'm sorry. Their, their second loss season to the Jazz. They, they also have lost to the Blazers and the Wizards. <laughs> which Taylor Jenkins came out and, you know, blame the officiating got $25,000. fine. It was effing atrocious. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say that regardless of the individual calls, typically when you are complaining about the officiating at that level, it's because you need the whistle so bad. Um, I also think that Taylor Jenkins is going to go out of his way to, make the players feel like, hey, I'm fighting with you. I've got your back for obvious reasons. It's been a rough. Yeah, it was, it was a strategic decision by him to do that. Just like the other day, after Giannis gets the controversial ejection, Adrian Griffin says before the game, you know, I've got to, um, I need to stand up for Giannis a little bit more. And then he gets ejected like an hour and a half later. Speaking um, of, just a quick aside, then let's hammer on the Clippers. <laughs> But the the Giannis ejection thing reminded me of this. Ant had a spectacular dunk and got teed up for a a quick little mean mug, much like Giannis the other night. I want to propose a new rule, just a a new three-second rule. If you dunk on somebody, if you have a spectacular dunk, really any dunk, I don't care. We don't need need to ditch it. If you dunk, you have three seconds to where if you don't make physical contact with somebody, you can say or make any kind of look. You can hang on the rim for three seconds. We don't need referees to worry about dudes enjoying their dunks. So refs, swallow your Get whistle. the fun police out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun police out. Yeah. Okay. Please. That, that, now. There, by the, the way, when Giannis got ejected. I'm with the, the Clippers right now, by the way. <laughs> but by the way, when, when Giannis got ejected, it was the too small. No, too small. They're too small. He did, but that the he he the the whistle was blowing as he used to. He got ejected for a mean mug. It wasn't the that's two, right. But and okay. I know this for sure because I saw that he got ejected. I saw the thing. I saw a video. I was at a a Mavs game and I said, "Oh, bleep!" 
there's two small stories running tomorrow. I'm going to have to adjust some things. And so I hit my editor. He's like, he got ejected for the mean mug. The two small came afterwards. So whatever it is, though, three seconds, dudes can enjoy their dunks. They can hang on the rim. They can do pull-ups. They can do backflips. You know, as long <laughs> as their pants stay on and they don't punch anybody, whatever the hell they want for three seconds. That's what they used to say about McMahon on uh, Friday nights in high school. Um, so anyway, at this game, the Grizzlies came in scuffling. They're on the road. It's an early start in L.A. Um, and the Clippers get absolutely blitzed in the first three quarters. In the fourth quarter, they make a comeback to make it close. They actually, I think, briefly took the lead. Uh, but the Grizzlies essentially controlled this game until the very end, and then they held them off. And the big thing is, once again, the hardened mm. lineups were so I got, horrible. I got five stats for you. Oh, boy. On the Clippers. Real quick. Starting lineup. Did not score. The first two minutes and 44 seconds of the game. They did not score the first two minutes and 47 seconds of the third quarter. They didn't make a field. They made one field goal. The final five and a half minutes of the first half. This the, basically the starters made didn't make one. The final three and a half minutes of the of the first half. Their starting lineup together through four games has played 46 minutes. It's being outscored by 19 points per 100 possessions. Has an offensive rating of 87 and a half, which in today's NBA is like Ooh. horrendous. I think that went up by the way, because I think it was 85. I think, I think they it were been so bad that today it actually slightly went up. And Russell Westbrook and James Harden together in four games. Now they've played 73 combined minutes, offensive rating of 101.3 defensive rating of 123.5 net rating of negative 22.2. There's Listen, the story right there. There's Harden the was there. minus 28 in 29 minutes. Yeah. And and I saw these guys in Dallas on Friday when they got smoked. And listen, to the Mavs credit, the Mavs are smoking some teams now, but the Clippers got. By the way, the Mavs won again tonight. Kyrie and Luka combined to go 24 of 48. They smoked the Pelicans. Kyrie. Is just starting to get cooking, and the Mavericks are just a tick below the Pacers for the uh, best offense in the NBA. But Friday night, the Mavericks smoked the Clippers so bad that when I say the Clippers stars were well rested, they didn't play a second in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they didn't play a second in the fourth quarter, and I actually asked Ty Lue about it after the game because I'm like, listen, I understand the score, but obviously these guys need time on the floor together. You know, was there any consideration to? Just getting them some some you know some reps out there and said, Yeah, there was, but we got a 12-30 game on Sunday. We haven't been so great in those. So I decided rest over, you know, some some reps. By the uh, way, so- uh, James Harden barely got many seconds in the fourth quarter in this game. Yeah. Harden in that game had 14 points in the first quarter. They came out looking good. Harden in the rest of that game had zero points. Um and that was a game Russ was the one who had the awful. Russ was minus 26 in that game. He had by far the, the worst plus minus among their, uh, we'll call it core four, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're four future Hall of Famers. It was hard in this time. But, you know, Ty Lue said today he's got to stagger them as much as possible. He said the other night that he has to play uh, or that he wants to play Harden with a big, and there's only one on the roster really, with, with Zubach as much, as much as possible to give him that pick and roll partner. Well, they have Mason Plumley, but he just hurt his knee. So, right. Um, and one available one, I meant. Um, and look, like it didn't work out with them their second time around in Houston. It was, it was one year and they both wanted to get the hell out. They were they, they at least put up a lot of points that year. You know, they, they at least had some success. But if you'll remember, they had success because they went to this revolutionary small ball, PJ Tucker at center, Trey Clint Capella, uh, in a deal that brought back Covington and just opened the floor up. And they did that because Russ can't you can't play Russ with a non-shooting big uh, yep. a, a whole lot. And at the time, Harden was still 
probably the best one-on-one player in the world. Harden's no longer, I don't even know, I, I don't think Harden is any longer a great one-on-one player. I'm not sure he's a very good one. He's a great pick and roll player. He's a great passer, and but he's not a like he's not a guy who just can can go one on one and cook anymore. My point is, Harden and Russ are not compatible. They're not compatible, and so they're going to have to get to a decision if they want to actually win a game every once in a blue moon. One of those dudes has to come off the bench, and. I'm just telling you, if it's Russ, I think it's going to be pretty messy. Well, here's Russ- the thing. The th- the three-man unit, we've talked about this, of Westbrook, mm-hmm. Leonard, and Paul George yep. was successful in the five games they played before the trade. Mm-hmm. And in this game, they made a fourth-quarter comeback, although Kawhi didn't score in that run. He Kawhi wasn't in was on for a lot court. of it. He came back later on. But the three of them together were yes. effective. Um, the th- so they flew back from Dallas Friday night. They had a film session or a light practice on Saturday. And at that practice, Ty Lu said, he announced in front of the team, James, we want you to be yourself. He basically doesn't think James is being assertive enough. He said this publicly. This is not inside information. He said this publicly. And this is the game that follows where Harden has arguably his worst game yet. Well, it and... was it's it's weird watching them play because, like McMahon, you just said it right. James Harden is not the isolation guy anymore. The reason he was effective last year with the Sixers was because they ran this pick and roll with him and Joel Embiid a thousand times a game. It was an awesome play, yeah. and they had a ton of success with it. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the, I'm watching this game today, and it's the first time I've really had a chance to sit and watch the Clippers play. Since this trade, I've caught snippets of it, but I had games the other nights. They basically ran Harden in no pick and rolls for large stretches of the game. They're having him like operate at the high post and running like Paul George and Kawhi off these like these flex cuts of the three point line and stuff. Like it, they they were doing all this stuff. Their offense was incredibly slow and stationary. Their guy, nobody was moving. It was a lot of standing around. And if you're going to trade for James Harden, put him in pick and roll and let him run pick and rolls and hit Kawhi Leonard for spot-up threes and hit Paul George for spot-up threes and do and have P.J. Tucker out there to spot up for three mm-hmm. and, like, run some stuff that's going to work for him. Instead, they had him in these, like, these positions where it's never going to work for him because you're not – and you're not having – he's not exactly going to light it up defensively at the other end. And then when he has the ball, you've got Russell Westbrook spotting up for threes. Isn't going to work. Like, he hit one or two today and missed a bunch. Like yeah. it just, you just watch what they're doing and it doesn't and like, obviously Tyloo knows a lot more about X's and O's than me. I'm not trying to pretend he right. doesn't see this, but like you watch it and you go, this just doesn't make a lot of sense for the personnel. They have this fit. And I understand there's chemistry reasons why you want to try to make this work. A week ago, we sat here going into the first game and said, this is not going to work. We now have a week's worth of data. This thing has gone as badly as it possibly could have gone. And well, like, that's the thing. I don't there's know how long they're going to no stick si- with it, but they, they have there's, to do something. As far as I can tell, there's almost no signs. Uh, there's a, no, no light at the end of the tunnel. It's, you know, th- they seem to believe as an organization that it will work. Yeah. And that this is just a period where they have to figure it out, but I'm not seeing any like, Oh, well, wait a minute. I, this is something to build on. I'm there's not, not seeing lot, it. There's not a lot of bright spots. You know, Ty Lue and, and Dallas the other night was, said, hey, you better take advantage of it now. And, and honestly, like, Harden was really, like, upbeat, um, was as chatty as maybe I've ever seen him. Uh, same with Kawhi. Like, Kawhi sat down. It, it was just a, a couple of us, me and uh, Andrew Gray from the LA Times. But Kawhi sat down and talked for like six or seven minutes, just explaining the patience and, Hey, we understand, you know, it's been a little bit more of the downside than we anticipated, but we understood there's going to be stuff to work out. Paul George used the word super optimistic. Um, You know, he said in that game, he came in thinking I'm going to be a glue guy and basically said, screw that. Like I've got to be in attack mode. I I can't come in trying to be. He was in attack mode in the fourth quarter of this game. That's only why the only reason they got back into it. 
you know, one thing that power was, awesome. One thing that was interesting in our in our chat with Harden, um, I said I was asking like, do you guys have to settle into? And I said I, I pecking order might not be the right phrase, but he goes, I get what you're saying. And he says, we don't know what that looks like yet because it's too early and then we all bring different dynamics to the game. I think for me, as far as the pecking order, I'm a facilitator and a scorer. So if somebody has it going, then I have no problem generating really good shots and making sure we get quality shots, blah, blah, blah. Basically, what he's saying is, yeah, we we do need to figure out a pecking order. And in, you know, in James Harden's mind is, give me the ball and I'll figure out when guys need to be getting it. I don't think that's the way Russ is thinking about it. And, and and I wish I could give you more insight into what Russ was thinking. He was the one guy of those four who wasn't very chatty um, to the point. He, he gave us pretty short and clipped answers for a couple of uh, for about a minute and a half. And then I said something along the lines of, I asked him what his concern level was after the first few games, obviously weren't anything near what, they wanted and he challenged me on who said it wasn't what we wanted <laughs> i said uh I, I guess i'm saying it. he goes i don't agree with that and i said you want to lose by double figures and that was the end of our discussion he walked off <laughs> i think to be a little bit charitable to russ i i think he thought you were asking him if he didn't want the trade to happen and then no. instead of being russ he derailed it no he wanted he wanted to argue. He 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 was contrarian, Russ, which well, tends to happen when he's grumpy, Russ. Well, certainly that there is no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, the they play again on Monday. Um, a back to back, just what they need. Actually, sorry, is it? It's Tuesday. Um, in the uh, in the tournament, they play the Nuggets. It's not the team that you want to see. Oh, by the, the way, Nuggets, who've only beaten them, it feels like a thousand times in a row. Definitely who they want to see. <laughs> by the way, the Nuggets lost on Sunday to the Rockets. No, to the red hot Houston Rockets. That's right. That's full name, baby. That's right. The sizzling one six straight Houston Rockets. The smothering defense of the Houston Rockets. Yeah, they the, held the Nuggets bro. to 104 points, which is. Bro. They've held three of the six in this six game winning streak. Three times they've held opponents under 100. And then there's been a 101 and a 104 as well. By the way, Jokic had 36, 21, and 11 yes. in this game. And they lost. Yes. yes. McMahon's vaunted bench did not really come through. I, combined, I, combined four for 19 in about. Looks like 60 minutes total played here. Yes. I didn't like I didn't like the bench tonight. Didn't like the bench tonight. They did not follow my suggestion of small ball uh center Aaron Gordon with the second unit. When it was Zeke Naji, he was minus 18 and 11 minutes. But no, hey, the Rockets, man. You know what? And that's actually I wanted to mention this. There are three teams right now that are very happy about the way things have played out with this whole James Harden saga, right? The Rockets are happy that they didn't give him the max contract that, that honestly, we all thought they would at one point. Yep. Um, because Fred Van Vliet has come in there and, and you know, is is leading that team that is... At 26 today. Yeah. That's exactly what they needed. Assist he, had a, he had a big he shot in their uh, comeback on Friday. Who they beat on Friday? He, he basically hit the... New Orleans. Blank. He had well, a bunch of big huge, shots down the stretch of that yeah. game. Huge shots down the look, stretch. Of that look, game. him. You know, so they they went and got Fred Van Vliet instead. Talked They're, about Philly. Very happy with that we talked about Philly. Oklahoma City's happy because man, they things are you know betting on a future L.A. Clippers lottery pick right now is not a bad swing to be taken. I will and say this about one, the team, one team is just preaching patience. <laughs> the team that has James Harden. I will say this about the Rockets. Seven, they're, they're six and three. Seven of those nine games have been at home. But they won them. They're six and one. Like, you know, like it's one thing to say you've had a favorable schedule. schedule. So that's meaningful. Uh, also, before we go on and talk about another team that's struggling, I want a hat tip the Miami Heat, who won their fifth straight game on Sunday against the Spurs. I know it 
you know, beating the Spurs isn't much right now. Victor. Second night of a back to back, though. And missing and Bam a bunch Adebayo, of guys. <laughs> Bam Adebayo is um, having the best start to a season of his career. And he had another great game in this one 24, 11, and six, uh, 10 of 20 from the field. Um, and as you know, yeah, you mentioned, so Hero is out, going to be out for several weeks with, uh, with ankle injuries. It is somewhat interesting that they started winning when Tyler got hurt, but actually Dang. I think it's more uh, about Bam out of bio than anything. But Jimmy Butler did come back and play in this game and missed the uh, last one. Um, but anyway, hats off. One other the thing Heat. really quick. One thing really yeah. quick on the Heat. Jaime Jaquez, first-round pick out of UCLA. Had best game of his career yet with Jimmy Butler out, beating Atlanta on Saturday night, played 32-point minutes off the bench Sunday. Obviously, Eric Spolstra, pretty early on, they do have some injuries. Trusted him a lot early on. He's already got a pretty big role. Already looks like a mind heat player. Pretty pretty interesting young piece for them. Guy who came up a lot this summer in the talks for uh, potential Damian Lillard trades. A lot. But he's been he's been a really nice bright spot for the Heat so far. I wanted to make and one. Victor, Victor, by the way, he's shooting too many threes. And he's and he's missing them a lot. He he came into the game, I think, shooting thirty one percent on threes, and he was two of nine. And um, he, you know, uh, I did not watch this game, but I'm not sure that nine threes. He was he was eight of twenty two overall, and I'm not sure that nine threes is what he needs right now. So, just as we're tracking, Rick, he still had eighteen and eleven. Goes back block. to what we've been talking about the whole time. I didn't want to make one quick point about the uh, seven turnovers for Victor tonight. I'm sorry. Go ahead, McMahon. Let yeah, McMahon man. get in his point. Yeah. He's been waiting sorry. patiently. Sorry. Another Euro who's a uh, part-time Texas resident. Um, Alperin Shingoon. Look, He's only a part. Oh, because he goes back home. I was yeah. I was like, wait a second. What do you mean? He, he can't guard Joker, but neither can anybody else in the league. But, hey, here's my point. Brooke Lopez did the Houston Rockets a huge favor by ditching them at the altar in free agency. They thought it was signed, sealed, and delivered. They moved money, moved contracts to, to, to make room for them. And then he said, eh, second thought, uh-uh. Guess what? Huge favor to the Houston Rockets because Shingun is a stud who needs to be starting, needs to be playing 30-plus minutes per game. And, you know, we've talked about him before. This, this dude yeah, Joker put up huge numbers on him, but Joker couldn't guard him either. And I don't think there's very many bigs in the league who can. Real sliding doors moment a few years ago when the, with the 16th pick in the draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder had a pick that they got from the Celtics in the Al Horford-Kemba Walker trade. Yeah. And they took Shangoon and traded him for two protected picks to Houston. Yeah. And, and those it's an interesting thing to they ended up getting shipped out later to the Knicks. The Knicks now have them. They're Washington trip protected picks. They ended up getting traded to get Yushman Jang right. from Oklahoma City. But it's interesting sliding doors moment to think about a parent Shangun playing next to Chet Holmgren right now with, with Shea and those guys who look pretty, pretty good. And instead, way, Jeff Green, he's looking pretty good in Houston with these guys. Speaking of the uh, the Nuggets bench that was poor today, Jeff Green, his first game against his uh, old team. I think it's their first game against them. Mm-hmm. He had 15 points, five to seven shooting with four rebounds off the bench today. We had 13 of those in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, he closed the game. Closed the game over Jabari Smith down the stretch and was a big part of them blowing them out in the fourth quarter, winning the game. Yeah. And by the way, when we talk about like leadership, you know, like the vet guidance in the locker room, he's a big part of that too. Obviously, you've got Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks who are in the starting lineup playing heavy minutes, but Jeff Green has been a big part of just the value of having vets in the locker room for them, I think has been pretty big. No question. All right. So Phoenix Suns dropped a four and six on Sunday, losing to the Oklahoma city thunder at home. Well, it's unfortunate. Oklahoma city is Owen two in the in season tournament. I thought they were a team that could have made a run in that thing. They are not out of it yet, but being Owen two with a home loss already, they're in, Big trouble about advancing, but um, I, mean, I, that, I, mean, see, I just hope I get to see an end season tournament court live with my own eyes at some point. Didn't happen. <laughs> well, the Mavericks have all tournament court problems. Yeah, in the first court that the Mavericks were on was in Denver, where the three point line was wrong. It was too right. far away, 
And then their court had to be flopped out. McMahon, you reported on it. What was the reason for that? The, the, for their in-season tournament court back in Dallas wasn't used? Some kind of screwed up paint job. And I'm not sure if it was just cosmetics or there was a safety issue as well. But basically, they decided we can't put this court out there. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Well, anyway, the Suns um, got beat in this game. Um, Jalen Williams, who's from Metro Phoenix, J-Dub, uh, mm. the, the wing, had 31 points. And what really, it was interesting here is that the Thunder crushed in the fourth quarter of this game. So I got uh, some stats on that, too. Suns fourth quarter yeah. stats. Oh, all right. And this has Suns. been a big problem for the Suns so far. Go ahead. That is correct. In 10 games, the Suns have been outscored in the fourth quarter by 61 points, by far the most in the NBA. Miami is next, minus 35 in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter of games, across 10 games, per possession, on a per 100, per 100 possession basis, Suns offensive rating, 89. That is DFL, to use a scientific term. Defensive <laughs> rating, 114.3. Net rating, negative. 25.4 in the fourth quarter. It's that, no way to play. My friends, it's not good. It's no way to play. Uh, I, I believe they're also either 29th or 30th. I don't have updated numbers from today in turnovers in the fourth quarter. I can check. Their um, turnover percentage in the fourth quarter is dead last, also 19.6% of their possessions and in turnovers. You get the actual number. Well, By the way, Shea, Shea Gillis Alexander had another awesome game in this one, 35. He remains um, awesome. Uh, Chet, and I, and, Chet put a big old, uh, I'm not going to say put Nurkic over his knee because I think Chet's legs would would snap. But uh, <laughs> he, he got the best of, of old Nurk. They outscored him 31-13 in this fourth quarter. 31-13 on the road. I mean, we... We obviously they have 48, 48 turnovers in 10 games, by the way, for the Suns. Yeah. In the fourth quarter. The Suns without like a lot. Are, are mediocre at best. That's pretty apparent. Um, we'll see when he's back. They bumped him up to doubtful for this one. A sign that he's progressing, you know, a sign that hopefully he's back pretty soon here. Um, man, they... Bradley Beal tweaked his back in this game and played through it. Yeah, it's a reminder of the the trickiness of that going forward. Yeah, not great. So, so I, you know, it's obviously you can't assess it without Booker, but I will say that these fourth quarter problems, and if you've watched them play some of these fourth quarters, it seems like they could benefit from a point guard. Um, well, and again, Booker's only played two games, and and that Booker would be that guy. So, but I'm just saying, like they have possessions that go haywire and it looks like I'm not even talking about Chris Paul. I'm like, I'm talking about campaign might have might help them a little bit if he was around right now. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, out in Phoenix during the preseason. I was talking to Booker about, you know, like what are the concerns with you being the full-time point guard or, or you guys not having a quote unquote, you know, true point guard um, in the lineup. And he said, really, it's just about those last few minutes, you know, when, you know, execution is like a lot of times the game slows down. It becomes a very, you know, possession by possession execution type of game. He said, it's it's that that is, you know, if not the concern is like we've got to we really got to focus on that part of the game that understanding that's where uh, the point guard play really comes in and the season opener. Um, was it against the Lakers, I believe, comes down mm -hmm. to the, you know, comes down to the last few possessions and Booker was just surgical. Dime, 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 you know, and, and they win the game. Now, the only other game that he played this year was the uh, the loss, the second loss to the Spurs. And if you recall, that's when Wimby matched the Suns point for point in the last four minutes of the game and, and got some help from his teammates that that the this Phoenix offense did go kaput. Um, now, having said that, at some point, I don't know exactly when in that game, but at some point, 
Booker did strain his calf in the game, finished it, but I I can't tell you when exactly he did it or whether that affected him down the stretch. Well, they're just a, they're an incomplete at this point, but that we have to you have to stop saying that. They have they a team are. full of star players that get hurt all the time. This is okay, part wait. of the grade. Okay. Yeah, can't keep saying they're ten games. Forever. They have not played 50, 54. I understand, so. but like acting like well, we have to wait till they get everybody there. This you had to bake this in from the beginning, right? That's still true. What we can evaluate is how those three guys fit together. Unless totally. we go off of some preseason time when it looked really damn good. Now, when will we be able to? Who knows? Hopefully soon, but there's no guarantee of that, especially with Beal tweaking his back again tonight. You hope that that's not something that that lingers, but unfortunately, back injuries tend to linger. And you right. hope Booker comes back and doesn't have any further problems with the calf, but calves can be tricky as well. Frank Vogel got asked after the game if Booker could be back Wednesday, and I believe his answer was, we'll see. Their next game is Wednesday against Minnesota. So we'll see. Speaking of Minnesota. Back by then. All right. Speaking of Minnesota, they go seven and two with a victory over the Warriors. The Warriors, six and five. They've lost three in a row. I think they lost three in a row. Um, Lost to Denver, lost to Cleveland, and lost to Minnesota. And Edwards, we mentioned this dunk he had earlier. You should find it. Um, I, I believe if you're on social at all and you have any NBA, you follow any NBA stuff, you'll see it. I'll be stunned goes, if you've listened to this pod and you haven't seen it by now. He goes right down the baseline and like, here's why, here's what I love about this dunk. He goes right down the baseline and he dunks on Dario Saric and he sort of midway through the air turns, you know, I don't know how many degrees he does a 45 degree turn, I guess it would be. And <laughs> after he does the dunk, or maybe it's a nine degree turn as he does the dunk, on his way down, he smiles. He 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 was really enjoying it in the moment. And then he gets then he up. mean mugs. Then he gets teed up, right? But he was originally smiling, which I liked. Uh, he had thirty three in this game. Carl Towns, who's warming up a little bit after he a is. shaky start, with another yep. good twenty one and fourteen. Gobert, and, started, I think five shots in this one. Timberwolves uh, continue great. to have the league's best defense by two point seven points. Better than the Knicks, 102 points yeah, per Warriors, 100 possessions. The Warriors do not crack 40% shooting. They do not crack 30% on threes. Um, and like this is what's been happening to teams who play the Wolves. They have bad offensive games. Um, I tell you what, if I'm Devin Booker, not quite ready Wednesday. I don't want to come back against – I don't want to have Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards all on my grill and then have to – Deal with Gobert through him. I'm gonna. Well, you I'm know, feels like it, feels like three games after that. Jazz, Jazz, Wool, uh, Blazers seems yeah, like a little I, bit easier. Easy. I mean, maybe, but you would, if you know Devin Booker, you know that's not the way he rolls. Listen, man, I'm just saying. I'm if I'm the if I'm the Suns, I'm giving him an extra couple days and having him get himself 110 percent and then playing those. Well, three that's games fine. Instead of but throwing him out Booker, there. I listen, we all know how Devin Booker is. We know he's going to want to play, but I I don't know if throwing him out there in his first game against Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels is a good idea. Jaden McDaniels, by the way, was six of eight shooting in this game, in addition to playing excellent defense. Um, you know what's crazy is Ant was at 33 points, was a plus 15, and I thought it was by his standards just a all right game. He didn't shoot it well. I thought some of his shot selection was rough. Um, but he's just a stud and they're really good, man. Conley had nine assists. Let me see one turnover. That's like a regular old night for him. You talk I think about that's it. just like third turnover of the season. I think he had a couple the other night. He, he wrecked that stat. A little I bit. think he's up yes. to like four turnovers this year. Yeah. I think it's like five, but yeah. Um, yeah, he has five, he has five, uh, has, uh, yeah, five or six and nine games. Six and nine games now. I, I I jinxed him when I said he had thirty to one, and then he actually had some turnovers. And, the next and, game. and you mentioned a cat is starting to like. Listen, we all know cat can score. He's starting to to get comfortable. He's starting to get in a groove, and they do need that um, totally. But their you know, offense they, is down near twentieth in the league. Like that's yeah, got to. They, so they definitely on. need cat to be that number two offensive option. It's Ant's team. And it's a team that has a chance to really be 
a pain in the ass because they're the best defensive team in the league. But to have any hope of 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 being a real threat, they need uh, they need Cat to be uh, you know a big time scorer as a second option. Well, speaking of the Warriors, real quick, Steph had thirty eight in this game. He is having even by his standards a prolific start to this season. One of the best starts um, statistically he's had in his career. Um, but the Warriors have just been average. Clay mm-hmm. Thompson is five of 16 in this game. He's now shooting 34% for the season. He has yet to crack 20 points in a Man, game. That's, that's, um, and Andrew Wiggins oof. scored just eight points in this game. Uh, um, oh, he had six. Mm-hmm. Well, he's average. That's good because that's what his average is for the season. He's um, averaging 11. I was going to say that. I'm sorry. I was looking at Looney. I take it all back. Yes. I take it all He's back. He's averaging 10 and a half, but whatever, dude. Like Wiggins, and he, you know, he's, he's said it himself to our buddy uh, Marcus Thompson, the athletic. He's never had a slump like this. He's never. Yeah. And, but the, the problem is not just that he's in a, in a slump offensively and the scoring's way down. Shots aren't falling, all that kind of stuff. But like, dude, he's not. He's not. He 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 he's like, kind of loafing through games like he did with the Wolves again. Four rebounds. You know, come on, man. Like, well, he's. You know what's interesting to me? Yeah, his rebounding is way down. His three point attempts are way down. He's not even getting three point attempts. He's shooting them miserably. He's shooting sixteen percent on them. He's not even getting them. Um, he There's is no aggression just, in his game anywhere right now. Well, there was Steve a moment Kerr made a it's, passing reference early on about how he just, I mean, he didn't say he wasn't in shape, but he, I think that's pretty much what he was saying when he came. He and Clay play. struggled throughout the preseason. It was a concern coming into the regular season. It has been a concern that has carried over to the regular season to this point. There was a moment in Saturday's loss to Cleveland when he missed a wide open three, Andrew Wiggins. Then I think the next possession or maybe the one after that, he got a big alley or a offensive rebound tip back dunk, came down the lane. Nobody guarded him, threw down a dunk and like landed on the ground and like just ducked his head because he was frustrated about missing the three a few minutes before. And like the bottom line is if Golden State is going to be a championship level team, those guys just have to be way better. We talked all last year about how the, that starting five of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Looney was the best lineup in the league. Outscored teams by 20-something points per 100 last year. That group through seven games this year is getting outscored by 14 points per 100 possessions. Mm. Offensive rating of 126 – or defensive rating of 126. Like, that's just – that's just not obviously anywhere near good enough. And, like, a lot of that is Steph – or Clay and Wiggins have just not been to the level – that they need him to be. And if that doesn't change, they're just not going to be that good. No. So, and remember last year, Clay got off to a terrible start. Mm-hmm. There was all this talk about his clay done. He ended up finishing the year with three hundred threes. played way better after that got going. I would expect he'll get going. Eventually I'd, I'd expect Wiggins will get going. Eventually there's enough of a track record of that now, Right. but until that changes, like the warriors are just not on the level. Mm-mm. of these other teams and like Minnesota just came in. I mean, yeah, it was the second night of a back-to-back Minnesota was rested. That's all fine, but Whatever. they, they controlled the game from start to finish in San Francisco. Like that's not supposed to happen to the Warriors. And it did. By the way, on sa- Saturday night, Draymond Green got ejected. It was his 17th career ejection. This was and a weird. One. So on this play, he'd already had a tech earlier in the game which shouldn't be forgotten. I'll just say that. But I texted he, someone in the first quarter and said he's going to get thrown out of the game because he was running around, was stomping me. around. He texted me. I texted you. <laughs> I couldn't. I texted a couple yeah. people. I thought I texted you. He was running around yelling at people, and Ben Taylor was doing the game, and Ben Taylor loves to give technical fouls. And I was like, this guy is definitely going to get ejected. By the way, what a window into the USWB that is. I, I, I texted a bunch of people he's going to get thrown out. And then I, well, told, I, was, no, I told you so. Well, By the way, no, I was out I was, at a hockey Bontemps game. I was enjoying my Saturday basketball. night. But he, but well, it wasn't an I told you so thing. It was just watching the yeah. game. It, Draymond was a particularly, he was in a particularly ornery mood, even by his standards. Right. Well, off anyway, top. he, there's a, there's a transition uh, situation and he 
forearm shivers Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell goes into the baseline. It was a no a, call. It, it was a, a forearm shiver. It was a it was a little love. A little. I would say he. Fast. I would say he. I would say he pushed him, and I would say Donovan sold a little bit to try to get a okay. foul. He did get a He foul. made contact. There was no foul called. That's right. Donovan runs down the floor moments later and just body checks. Yes. Don, uh, body checks Draymond. Draymond's right. like, "Where'd that come from, bro?" Of course, he knows where it came from because he had just kind of done the same thing. Um, and, but they review the play and as soon as donovan does it he immediately points to the other end of the court yeah and is like telling the referees to review that so the referees go review the play on on donovan to see if that was a flagrant which frankly had they called it a flagrant wouldn't have been out of line um he should have gotten some kind of penalty but a common foul it was insane if what Draymond did was a technical foul, then Donovan did the same thing. I know, but forget about that. That's not what to me is interesting. What's interesting is when the referees reviewed it, they were able to review 40 seconds earlier, 30, whatever, 20 seconds what, what, earlier. What's the statute of limitations? Well, this is what I'm talking about. So like when you see uh, soccer played, referees sometimes will not call something and they'll let the game go. They'll give advantage. And it's called. then they'll right, and then they'll come back and make the call. Also, sometimes refer like there'll be an action, and then the team will go down and score like twenty seconds later, and they'll review something that happened seventy yards back down the field. They in soccer, there's this thing that you can sort of let things happen and then go back and what are, adjudicate. So, like the NBA is suddenly a European freaking yes. Football. That's what I, that's my point. My point is we have an in-season tournament and now this is what happens with flop warnings. I just saw it again today. I can't remember what game I was watching. And, and a referee can see a guy flop. He will not call the technical foul in that moment. Then they will go down the court and like the next dead ball, then the referee will be like, "Hey, remember that possession a, a minute ago?" You're getting a technical foul for that flop, sir. And that's, I get that I've seen that happen a few times. Flop and it's five on four the other way. You flop. They're going to go score and it's going to be your fault. Then you get teed. I'm fine. That's with the that. concept no, of what they do in soccer. And, I just, but what is what I'm telling you? Draymond. I'm just, so I'm telling you, Draymond was penalized a technical foul for something that had happened on re- replay earlier and that wasn't reviewed. So this is now apparently a thing that can happen. And you can have the flop warning. It is, it, the referees are taking a sort of a, a soccer. This is like a soccerization of NBA officiating. Is is, is what my point is. Oh, great! Games are going to be one nothing all the time now. Um, <laughs> just wait till we have stoppage time. That's that'll that'll be wild. Don't we ain't doing all that. Next time somebody takes a cheap shot, they should say, "Hey, go back and look. Two quarters ago, this guy elbowed me while we were boxing out. You need to review that." Like well, what, that's what all the Warriors what, fans were screaming because what is there the was, statute of limitations? I, I really I'm asking. Well, Dray- well Steve Draymond, Steve Draymond Steve is, Kerr, Steve Kerr said, you know, can I go back to three years ago? Like he was, he made it that joke. Draymond deserved to get ejected from the game, but like you can't, you can't be getting this guy. No, you can't be like get thrown out. I'm just saying his actions throughout the game. I didn't have any sympathy for Draymond Green getting ejected. Is my point. He earned his ejection, whether it was that play or a different one. My point <laughs> is that Donovan Mitchell running up to the guy and doing this. Yes. And and like, oh, it's just a common foul. Like he made no attempt on the ball. He ran also, across the court. He started yelling in his face. Like, what what yeah. are we doing here? And, and hold on. You can't taunt after not only not even taunt. You can't mean mug after a dunk, but you can taunt after a, you get a guy ejected. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I tattled on you. Peace out, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Just... After after Draymond got ejected, Donovan was like, gave him the peace sign. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he's like, deuces. <laughs> yeah, I have no sympathy for Draymond at all there, but it was it was odd that Donovan got to get him thrown out of the game essentially for a foul. It was it was very odd. Well, anyway, the Warriors are battling a little bit right now. They're they're not they're not playing their best. They need Clay and Wiggins to play better. And speaking of battling, the Lakers are battling the Blazers, and we're going to go watch that. So thank you to Jackson, our producer. What's that? Is it all right? Oh, okay. I'm excited. 
Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. We'll be talking to you in a couple of days. Adios, amigos.